0: message inspires and encourages you. For more information, please contact Nexus Church. Let's get into the Word this morning. We're in an Acts series, Acts chapter 8. Shane Willard did phenomenal last week. He is an amazing gift to the body of Christ. He did an amazing job and and I feel stirred about what God's laid on my heart this week for Acts chapter 8. He spoke about the Ethiopian eunuch, which was towards the end of Acts chapter 8, verse 25. But I need to go back to the start of Acts chapter 8, because there's some important information there that I want us to get at, as we look at what it means to be a spirit-led church. And I can tell you right now, uh, God is moving powerfully even today in our midst Um Firstly, the first powerful thing is that I tucked my shirt in today, which was pretty exciting for me. I haven't done that for a long time. Uh, but the second main thing is that today in our hubs, Sandgate and Sanford, for the first time ever, we have launched live worship. So there is a team out there in that next service who will be worshipping live. And I just feel that we've turned a corner from being a pop-up location to beginning to take ground in the name of Jesus. And I can tell you right now, that's beginning to happen. I'm believing today that as praise echoes through that community, that people will be drawn to the presence of God and lives will be changed. And I've told Pastor Cam and Pastor Melissa that today they are legit. Before that, they were pretenders. Now they are legit. Um, And now it's becoming very real that, hey, God is doing something, not through our careful planning, but through His plans and purposes. And we're going to see that in the book of Acts. And so if you've got a Bible, open it with me to Acts chapter 8. We're just going to read the first eight verses. I wanted to get to Simon the sorcerer because he sounds awesome and reminds me of a Monty Python skit, but we're not going to have time to see Simon the magician. Uh, What is your favorite color? All right, let's pray together. That's great for those five people that know what I'm talking about, including my dad. Hi, dad. Father, we thank you for your presence here now. That as we worshipped, we haven't had to work for it. We haven't had to create the right moments for it to happen, but you've wanted to already move in our hearts and we believe you're shifting things for us. And so far, as we gather around your word, we give it its proper place in our lives, we give it authority. We place ourselves under it so we can be instructed by it. I pray right now for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. Prior to this, just a matter of verses, we saw the stoning of Stephen, which was a tragedy for the church. But it it begins a turning point in the book of Acts for when the church now is beginning to experience persecution. And on that day, in that moment, a persecution like never before broke out against the church. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And notice this. And all, except the apostles, were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he was performing, they all paid close attention to what he said, for with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. I like the detail that Luke writes with, for with shrieks, like he adds, just make sure you know, there's a bit of shrieking going on when these demons come out. I don't know if you've ever experienced uh, one of those moments where you've cast a demon out of someone, we don't need a show of hands. Um, but uh, I can tell you that there is a shriek that you do hear that, doesn't, that sounds quite unnatural. And with that, you can talk to me about that afterwards. Impure spirits came out of many. I'll tell you one thing, though, because you've asked me about it now. I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> you, you hear the sound and you know something's not right. And the hair stands up on the back of your neck. And I'll tell you right now, you begin to realize if you have authority in the name of Jesus or not. And I can tell you that you do. And I've seen it happen. I've seen the power of God move and spirits break out, break off people who are bound up. And I've seen them delivered right in front of me at the same time as they are trying to bite me and spit on me. And yet the name of Jesus casts those things out. I've seen that happen numerous times. And can I say this? None of this is in my notes, but don't worry about it. Can I say this? In our life, probably our challenge in the Western secular world is that not that we over-spiritualize, but we under-spiritualize. We think everything can be treated with medicine and Panadol, but I can tell you there's a real spiritual realm out there that we have to prepare to wage war on. The Bible continually calls us into the fact that you are involved in a spiritual conflict, and so sometimes you've got to be prepared for a little bit of shrieking. Is that all right? Now, don't get weird. All right. Good. Glad you're all on board. (laughs) Come on. A wrestler's not against flesh and blood. I can tell you right now, we're not streaming yet out to Sanford, but I can tell you right now, we know of two, at least two, uh, spiritual, cultish, kind of strange groups out there in Sanford, and our team have confronted them, seen them head on. In fact, just the other day, they came out, they booked the venue, the, the room right beside, and our team looked at them and they, these people said to us, we are not like you, we are the opposite of you. And so our team said, that's no problem at all. And they prayed over that room the entire morning and they spoke the word of God. And I know mighty men stood out the front, laying their hands on the front of that door, praying over it. And so there is a very real spiritual conflict taking place out there. But I can tell you this, one, we're smart. We booked that venue so they can't have it. Yeah, we're, we're spiritual, but we're clever. <laughs> So we've taken that venue but I can tell you right now we're breaking ground in Sanford because I know of many churches that have tried to go in there that had to shut their doors but we're breaking ground there and we're breaking ground in Sandgate and here is why. Because there are people in those communities walking the grounds claiming them for the name of Jesus. That's why I know this thing is going to work. So prepare for more shrieking. But it's all good. Impure spirits came out of many and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great Joy in that city. Man, one person set on fire with the Holy Spirit can change the atmosphere of a city. You can change the atmosphere of your household, your business, your workplace. If you get set on fire for the Holy Spirit, you can change the atmosphere. Great joy in the city. Man, I'd love to be someone like that. I'm inspired by Philip. Anyway, I need to get onto my notes or I'm just going to go a bit nuts up here, but that's okay. I can tell you this. If we were to interview a first century Jewish person, a first century Christian and a 21st century person, I wonder what they'd say about their Christian faith. You see, I wonder if we were to interview one of us right now and we'd say, what does it mean to be a Christian? We'd say it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's absolutely true. But if you were to pull someone out of the first century, this early church, they would say this, we're followers of Jesus, people full of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes as we've gotten more sensible and more smart, we've forgotten that the Holy Spirit changes everything for us. That we wouldn't exist right now if it wasn't for the personal work of the Holy Spirit. That's when the game changed for the early church. Yes, the resurrection of Jesus was an earth-shattering, life-changing, completely uh, paradigm-shifting event. We absolutely know that, but I want to say something else. It was the Holy Spirit that brought the power of the resurrection into people's lives. Sometimes we get so sensible and theological and doctrinal, and I'm into that stuff, you know me by now, but without the work of the Holy Spirit, we're just another gathering of people trying to get something going. Our Sundays are not about being inspired, but being full of the Holy Spirit, so we can go out and change the atmosphere of our cities, whatever your city looks like. So if we were to interview them, we begin to realize very quickly that there is a shift that takes place, and I say this all of the time, there was something there that was not there before, God took this scared, fearful group of men and women, placed His Holy Spirit on them, and they got sent out in boldness and courage doing miracles. If you and I in our lives, we need a hunger and thirst for more of the Holy Spirit. That it's not just lining up with a number of beliefs that we would agree are central to our faith, though that is important. I'm not throwing that out. But I'm saying we've got to have hunger and thirst for a move of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. Or we're merely just a gathering of people. You notice when Jesus says in Acts 1.8, he says, he promises the Holy Spirit, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Judea, in Samaria, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the outermost parts of the earth, or some translations, to the ends of the earth. Notice, and I've noticed this in my relationship with Jesus, that he tells me what he's going to do, but he never tells me how he's going to do it. Think about it sign up for this stuff. I'm looking at some of your faces right now because you're smiling back at me. You knew what it was. You didn't know how he would do it in your life. I mean, for us personally, we, you know, our, going to America, we were there for five years and ministered over there. It was great. But, you know, that was an 18 month process where we sold our furniture, rented our house, out, quit our jobs. We were six months pregnant with Cooper And uh, we had nowhere to go. I mean, fortunately, we were (laughs) taken in by my mum and dad. But um, at the end of the day, I wouldn't have done anything like that in that order because it was really hectic and a really difficult time. God tells you what He's going to do. He doesn't tell you how you're going to do it. I kind of think sometimes faith is a little bit like a roller coaster ride, which I hate. I hate roller coasters. I'm scared of them. I remember a time when we were over, over there. We were at Universal Studios. I, for some reason, only noticed the start of this ride. And it was one of those gentle log rides you know where this is going, you know, you see that beautiful log ride and the families on the other side and they're all smiling and happy, you go, I'll go on the log ride, that's my thing, I hate roller coasters, but a log ride, that's me, nice and gentle down the stream, that's, that's what I like, no one told me there was an 80 foot drop at the end of it, Had I known that before I began, I wouldn't have signed up. Can I tell you, faith is a lot like that. You you know where you're going. God is, is sending you out. He doesn't tell you how you're going to get there. He doesn't tell you what it's going to be like along the way. When Jesus says to the disciples, hey, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the outer parts of the earth. He doesn't tell you how it's going to happen. He just says it's going to happen. And then we sign up for it. And God says, I'm glad you're here. I've got a plan that perhaps if you knew all the details, you may not have signed up for it. You notice in the language there, there's a scattering that takes place. It says this, On that day a great persecution broke out and all except the apostles were scattered. And those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. The scattering is a Greek word, diaspora, which actually means to sow seeds. To actually scatter seeds seeds. Can I tell you right now that the way that God caused the early church to go to places that nobody wanted to go, that nobody had planned to go to was not through men sitting down making a careful plan, pulling together a 2020 vision and sitting down and coming up with a neat slogan. Here is how God executed his plans. There was a scattering. And I can tell you right now the scattering was incredibly uncomfortable. It was a scattering that was in nobody's plans whatsoever, and yet God uses the scattering to achieve His purposes in our lives. You see, very often we want this strategic plan, and God says, I'm going to take what has happened in your life, and I'm going to use it for good. You see, sometimes we get caught up in, did God cause the persecution? Instead, the better question is, does God use the persecution? Sometimes we get hung up on the cause and effect things in our lives and we want to know the cause because we live in a a culture that wants to blame and point the finger. I can tell you right now, God doesn't cause all those things and yet He's sovereign over all. So perhaps the answer to that question is, I don't really know. The fact of the matter is, does He use it? Yes. This is what I know about your life. Nothing is ever wasted in the economy and plans of God. And what may feel like a scattering to you is part of the plans that He's using to fulfill His purposes. This scattering is this sowing of the seed. And I can tell you right now, it wasn't in the plans of the early church. You kind of sit there and you think, well, you're one of the early disciples. You hear Acts 1.8, you receive power. Yes, Lord. That's good. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Yes, Lord. Send me to Jerusalem. You'll be my witnesses in Judea. Good people. I'll go there, Lord. And Samaria. Oh, Wait, let's just re- replay that. I didn't quite catch what Jesus said. He said, Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. Lord, we'll go anywhere for you. But let me tell you, no one was planning on going to Samaria. You know the story. The Good Samaritan, you know the story, the Samaritans were despised. John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman, she was despised. 722 BC, the ten northern tribes of Israel were conquered by the Assyrians. They pulled them out of northern Israel. They kind of mixed a whole mixed breed of population together. The people were a a hybrid breed. They weren't pure Jews and so the Jewish people despised them. In fact, they developed their own quasi-Jewish religion. They had their own temple in Mount Gerizim to compete with the Jerusalem temple. Nobody liked the Samaritans and it still happened on that day. I can tell you right now, no one was planning on visiting the Samaritans and yet in the scattering the Samaritans were reached. It was eight years since the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. Eight years had transpired since Jesus promised to pour out His Holy Spirit and Jerusalem was being reached. Judea was being reached. Eight years there was no sign of anybody going to Samaria. No one was thinking about going there. In fact, there was 200 cities in Judea and Galilee, and even in this report, turns out only one person makes a decision to go to Samaria, to reach the people, to reach the city that God was calling them to reach. Can I tell you right now, that perhaps God is using the scattering in your life to reach people that nobody else is reaching, that nobody else wants to reach, that perhaps you wouldn't even choose to reach. And yet in the scattering, in the difficulties in your own life, in the challenges that you're facing, He's sending you out to plant seeds of hope that that person would have joy in their heart. Let me take this a level deeper. A seed is full of potential, A flower is beautiful and we admire it, but it's the seed within that's full of potential for new growth and new life. Can I tell you this morning, there's people in this place and I'll look across the room and, and I know you've experienced what I would say a season of scattering. Perhaps it's in your work or your business. Perhaps it's in your family life. Perhaps it's in your health. Perhaps something has taken place and you are not where you want to be. In fact, let me go a step deeper. I know some of you are sitting there in the hospital room getting treatment and you have not asked to be there and you wish it would change and will keep believing for a miracle and healing and breakthrough in your life. Absolutely. But could it be that in the scattering God has placed you somewhere you would never choose to be but now He wants you to sow a seed of hope that there will be joy in someone's heart? And until we learn That the plans and purposes of God are nowhere near like our plans and we decide to embrace the scattering that the word of God, the gospel, will begin to go forward. Can I press it really deep right now? Maybe you're in a workplace you just wish you weren't in. Maybe you're hurting and you wish you weren't there. Maybe you are in hospital and you're sitting next to people you just wish you were not there. Can I tell you, even though there's pain, there's a scattering taking place, but there can still be joy in the city. There can still be joy for you to sow the seed of the gospel into people's lives. But I can tell you right now, this doesn't happen by default. Sometimes in our lives, things begin to take place, but it it doesn't just happen because we're resilient human beings. We have to make a decision that while I've been scattered, I will keep on preaching the word wherever I go. In fact, the theme of Acts chapter 8, five times the word euangelion is used, which actually means to evangelize. It actually means to proclaim the gospel. Can I tell you right now, by, it's not by default that you end up being scattered to begin to preach. It's a personal choice to say, while I'm being scattered, while this is not uncomfortable, while, Lord, I would never choose this life. I would never choose to be in this position. Lord, if you've scattered me, your word can still do its purpose. I'll keep on speaking even while I'm scattered. Can I tell you right now, maybe you're scattered and you're not yet speaking. Maybe you're scattered and you're saying, God, why are you doing this? I have a much better plan. And God says, I know, but I've scattered you right now. Would you begin to proclaim my word? Would you begin to share your testimony? Would you begin to share seeds of hope? As we've been sharing for a while here, it's all an overflow of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives Paul would say in 1 Corinthians, he actually would say, it's not with wise or persuasive words or eloquence, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Do you know what the Spirit's power is all about? People who just keep on keeping on allowing the Spirit of God to move in their lives. And so let me just be as direct as I possibly can. Where has God scattered you right now that perhaps it's time for you to embrace the scattering? Let me move on. Verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For his shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. We read that and we think, man, Philip, what what a legend. What what a great guy. I mean, he must have been one of the inner core of Jesus. Can I tell you who Philip is? Let's read Acts chapter 6 for a second. The twelve gathered together about the distribution of bread. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and also Philip. Procorus, Nicanor, Timon, Bumba, you knew I was going to do that, didn't you, I just couldn't resist it. Do you notice what they say about Stephen, the guy who just got stoned, that he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Do you know what they say about Philip? Also, also Philip. How would you like that as an introduction? We're looking forward to hearing the word. We also have Philip. There is no mention of Philip's spiritual qualities. There is no mention of of Philip's spiritual power. Philip was not one of the original apostles at all. Philip put his hand up on a Tuesday afternoon to give out bread. And a few years later, he's preaching the word in Samaria. Powerful move of God and a whole city is changed. Tuesday afternoon, the word came out. Can someone hand out bread to the widows? And Philip, up the back, just throws his hand up. He goes, I'll do it. Right, I bring Philip down, bring Stephen and Prochorus and Timon and there's other guys, we can't even pronounce their name, we don't even know where they're from. Bring them down, they're full of the Spirit, that's great, they've got wisdom, lay hands on them. And within a matter of years, Philip has started a move of God. Why is that? Because he put his hand up first for bread. There was something in the heart of Philip where he said, look, I don't know where all this is going. I don't know what it's going to look like. But God, if you could use me to hand out bread, I'll do anything you want to do. Can I tell you, it's not about your credentials. It's not about your preaching eloquence. It's not about your ability. It's your commitment to meet people's needs. It's your commitment to say, God, if you could use me as a bread giver, I'll do anything for you. And he turned him into one of the greatest preachers the world has ever seen. Why couldn't God use you? Why couldn't God use us? You see, Philip is part of the scattering. By all reports, the night that things began to break out, you could imagine the roads were full of of Christians leaving the city of Jerusalem. In fact, word travels pretty quick. They're like, let's all go to the 200 cities throughout Judea and Galilee. Let's get going. Everyone's bumping into each other along the road and only one person is going to Samaria. It's Philip. Philip, why are you going to Samaria? We don't like them, remember? But the plan of God... The scattering, Philip's heart, where he said, I'll just hand out bread, Lord, maybe you could use me to do something more. Team, you can come and join me. Philip made a decision that he wanted to meet people's needs. And you know what? Even as he was moving forward, doing something great in a city, he was still just meeting people's needs. You know, I wonder, if you first just say yes to whatever God brings in front of you, that perhaps along the way he'll use you to do something far more than what you could ask, think or imagine. Sometimes we think there's a certain qualification required. I mean, Philip is not authorised to preach. Philip isn't authorised to cast out demons. That's for the special group over there. That's for those guys. That's their specialty. And yet, Philip on his own, put his hand up for bread and became one of the greatest church leaders the world will ever see. And Luke, writing Acts, wants us to see something. There's a contrast. We don't have time to read about Simon the sorcerer. But you can see it says of Simon the sorcerer that he made himself great. He boasted about who he was and he wanted to buy the Holy Spirit. You meant to see the contrast between him and Philip. Philip was not doing this to make himself great. He was just doing this because he put his hand up to give out bread. I wonder, what's the really simple task that perhaps you're overlooking this morning? I would love to lean this towards being on the tech team and kids team, but I think it's actually even bigger and beyond that. That could be some application for some, but for you, what is the, what is a simple task that just like Philip, you go, you know what, I could probably do that. Lord, if you're, if you're needing help with that, I could probably do that. Lord, if you need me to reach out to that person, I will. If you need me to go across the road to my neighbor, I will. If you need me to shout the coffee, I will. If you need me to lay hands in the lunchroom and it's awkward, I will. Uh, If you need me to support someone, I will. If you need me to give someone a hundred bucks, I will. I wonder what happens when a generation, a bunch of Phillips make a decision that I'm really, I don't know a whole lot. I don't know about the exorcism stuff. I don't know how to do that stuff with the spirit thing. I don't know how to preach very good, but I'll tell you right now, Lord, I can do what you need me to do right now. I can I can do the bread bit. I, I, I can do that. I wonder what God could do with people like that. You see, Philip was part of the scattering. Again, there was pain. And yet with the pain, God positioned people exactly where they needed to be. If I was really smart, I could come up with some cool alliteration, like where there is pain, God positions people like Philip. Yeah, yeah. Write that down, I'll add that to my book. See, in the scattering, God positions us. And I look across the room and I know there's a scattering that's taken place. I know for some of us, you're not in a position that you wish you want to be. You're not in the place you want to be, but God's placed you there. Can I encourage you this morning to be just like Philip, to say, I haven't chosen to be here, but you've got me here for a reason. So I'll put my hand up to be used by you. Oh, I don't have the words, I haven't been to college, doesn't matter. I kind of bumble through my testimony, doesn't matter. I'm awkward with people. I really don't know what that's like, but I could imagine it's difficult. (laughs) You make a decision that I'm someone who's been scattered, but in the scattering, God uses those plans and those purposes. And in the scattering, He's looking for people to put their hand up and say, you know what, I'm scattered. But if I believe that he who is greater is in me than he who is in the world, then wherever my foot treads, that's territory for the kingdom of heaven. And so it's not my choice. I didn't choose to get sick. I didn't choose to be in this place. I didn't choose to have my business struggle. I didn't choose for these things. And yet with the authority that Jesus has placed in my heart, if he's sending seed out and I'm one of those seeds, I'm going to speak up and I'm going to claim ground and I'm going to take territory and I'm going to drive back the spiritual forces that come against us. And you know what? Joy. Joy in the city. Joy in the city. When Jesus is talking to Peter, Simon Peter, in Matthew 16, verse 17, he says, Peter, who do, you say, who do people say I am? And he says, I know who you are. You're Jesus. You're the son of the living God. You know that great moment? Jesus looks straight back at him and he says, you know what? Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but God has revealed it to you. And on this rock, I will build my church. Well, in Matthew 16, they're in a region called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was known for one thing. They worshiped this pagan god called Pan. And guess what happens at at, um, Caesarea Philippi? There's a place called the gates of hell where they do all kinds of crazy pagan sacrifices. Jesus is talking at the gates of hell, saying, even in the darkest places, I've got people building my church. The fact of the matter is, no one wants to go and preach at the gates of hell. <laughs> you know, we love that. I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not... Buses leaving to the gates of hell, who would like to do a small mission trip? No one wants to get sent there. No one wants to be pushed out to those places. No one by choice would go through difficulty or hardship. No one would choose this, but yet in the scattering there is seed And when you embrace the scattering and you put your hand up, you begin to realize that even in this dark place, there can be joy in the city. So I believe it for you. I believe it for you. I believe He's got you placed in places you don't want to be. And it's time for you to stop wondering to get sent to a better city. (laughs) No one chooses the Samaritans but you've got to start preaching there. Not because you're good, not because you're eloquent, be- because you're a bread giver. I could, I could say something, Lord. And it's not until we embrace that we've been scattered to places that we would never choose, that we begin to realize we are part of this immense plan of God to go throughout all the earth, not because we've chosen to go to certain places. I'm still asking for a call to Hawaii and I'm trusting God for that. <laughs> but if he sends us someone we don't want to go